Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You know, it's pretty rare where after to just two plays into a football game, you kind of know that the team you're following isn't going to have a good day. Just two plays in. Well, that's what happened last week. As just two plays into Stanford's game against the Washington State Cougars, you kind of knew that it wasn't going to be the Cards' day. And it wasn't. Cougs 52, Cardinal 14. And that's what we're breaking down on this episode of the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the show. Sunday, November 6th, 2022. Stanford with a decisive loss to Washington State, dropping them to 3-6 and six on the season and severely narrowing Stanford's path to bowl eligibility. We will talk about all of those things and we will get post-game thoughts from head coach David Shaw as that's what we do here on the TreeCast. We've been doing it better than anybody else, quite honestly, in my bias and subjective opinion since 2015. No one breaks down Stanford football and Stanford athletics in its entirety like we do here on the TreeCast. And we thank you for taking time out for for joining us, especially since we're not going to be talking about a whole lot of pleasant stuff on this episode. I'm Troy Clarity. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy Clarity. The last name is spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. This is my 30th year following Stanford football. Pac-12 Network play-by-play, my ninth year doing that. Earlier on Sunday, I called Stanford's sweep over Colorado in women's volleyball. Man, the car just keep right on humming. They've won 12 matches in a row and without one of their big guns and Sammy Francis as well. So that was fun to spend my Sunday early afternoon at Maples calling that game. And I'll be on assignment for the Compass Media Networks this upcoming weekend as I am a college football and NFL play-by-play announcer for Compass Media Networks on the national on the, on the play on the football play-by-play side, rather. So, uh, national radio-wise, that's where I will be spending a couple of my Saturdays for the remainder of the month. So, I'm all over the place, pretty much like anyone else who works in uh, college athletics. November is the month where you are absolutely all over the place. I'm calling Stanford men's soccer on Monday, so it all converges this month in November. Well, a lot of things seem to have come to a head for Stanford football this year as there were injuries against Washington State, defensive problems against Washington State, the offense just could not score against Washington State. All the same themes that have haunted the Cardinal for much of the year converge once again against Washington State. And the Cougs have now beaten Stanford six times in a row. David Shaw, of course, a lot of folks are going to be wanting to point fingers, mostly at one person, the head coach, David Shaw. Shaw with his response to that after the game. I'm ultimately accountable for everything, obviously. Um, That's the easy part. The hard part is drilling down and getting the most out of the guys that we have. I'm ultimately responsible, um, but we have to play better. Our best players have to play better, and we got to put them in a better position. Um, to go out there and execute. Yeah, it, look, the easy thing to do is to blame David Shaw. That is, you know, part of the job. You take the slings and the arrows. You take a lot of the credit when things are going right. And you take a lot of the blame when things aren't. So that is the easy thing to do. But there's no doubt that injuries, a lack of performance and production from the guys whom Stanford counts on most, especially on offense, 
and some things that aren't going Stanford's way coaching-wise either. All of those things going against Stanford in a big, big way again, this time in the must-win game. We'll get you three things you need to know about this game in just a moment. But first, basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, let's hop into this. Three things you need to know from Stanford versus Washington State. And let's begin with number one. And just a nightmare to start the game. Linebacker Ricky Miazon and nickelback Patrick Fields both hurt on the very first play, trying to make the tackle. On the next play, Washington State's running back went 65 yards up the middle to the Stanford 13-yard line. And along the way, linebacker Lavani Damuni got hurt. Washington State scored a touchdown on that opening drive, thanks in part to a defensive penalty on third down. And moments later, safety Kendall Williamson was seen heading back to the locker room. Next time we saw him, he was in warm-ups. So Stanford lost four defensive starters on that opening drive, three in the first two plays alone. They're already missing linebacker Jacob Mangum Farrar due to injury, so Stanford already shorthanded, especially in the linebacking core. And it got even worse. Just two plays in, and by the end of the opening drive. David Shaw on the effect of all those injuries against the defense, especially against the run. Today, of our 11 starters, you know, we played with five. We've been much better in the last month against the run. Our defensive line has come along, played well, but a big part of it has been our inside linebackers also um, have played better in the last month than they played the first month of the season. Um, but now we're without all three of those guys um, that take a lot of snaps for us. Um, and then part of our stop in the run last month also has been Patrick Fields. You know, we've dropped him down in there in, in, the, in the briar patch, and uh, he's made a lot of tackles, a lot of one-on-one tackles in space. Um, and uh, so to miss all three of our inside linebackers and our strong safety and then losing Kendall also, um, that's the middle of our defense. And it's, it's no wonder why we had issues um, right up the middle for a good chunk of the game. Yeah, and, and Washington State took advantage. Cougs rolled up 306 yards rushing. As a result of those injuries, you saw a lot of Alaka'i Gilman and Jaden Slocum at the safeties, Spencer Jorgensen, and Jason Call, whom I don't believe we had seen to this point this year, up until uh, up until this past Saturday. Uh, Jorgensen and Jason Call manned the inside linebacker spots. Uh, and Sanford just continues to run out of bodies not just in the running back room, we'll get to that in a second, but now in other position units as well. Let's move on to number two. And Sanford's decimated defense led the Cardinal into a 21-0 hole, but, but things stabilized for a bit. Cardinal scored a touchdown. Stanford made a couple stops on defense. And the card seemed capable of, of, of somehow getting back into it. Then Stanford fumbled four times on its next five drives. Four times on its next five drives. 
Late first quarter, third and one from the Stanford 44. Newly converted running back Mitch Lieber fumbles it away. Early second quarter from his own 21, quarterback Ashton Daniels fumbles. The Cougs pick it up, and they take it back for six. 28-7 Washington State. Wide receiver Elijah Higgins gets gang-tackled after a big game, coughs it up. Cougs recover. They drive down the field and score to make it 35-7. Late second quarter, Ben Urasik fumbles. Cougs score on the very next play. 42-7 Washington State at the half, and that's game. Probably game after 28-7. But those fumbles in succession set the whirlpool in motion and spun the game completely out of control. David Shaw, understandably afterwards, bummed out. As much as positivity sometimes is contagious, sometimes negativity is contagious. And um, the hard part is, you know, for guys like Ben and Elijah, they feel that pressure to make something happen. And sometimes when you try to do too much, that's when you really falter. And, um, you know, yeah, sometimes it's, it's time to go down. Hold on to the ball. You're surrounded by the other team. Go down. Take the positive game. Let's get on to the next play. Um, guys are just trying too hard sometimes to make something happen because of the situation we're in. So that's one of the big things we have to guard against. Yep, and now Stanford's turnover margin is back down to minus 11 for the season. Only one team, Central Michigan, has a worse differential in FBS. Let's wrap this up with number three. <laughs> And we here on the TreeCast figured this would happen, and it did. With the running back room being what it is, completely lacking in quantity, quarterback Ashton Daniels, who usually comes in from time to time and runs a package of plays, we figured it would happen, and it did. Daniels took many more snaps this time around against Washington State. Now, he mostly ran his usual package, but he made a couple of throws, including a nice one to uh, Lieber, as uh, Daniels kind of faked the stumble a little bit and then threw it down to Lieber on a wheel route that picked up 23 yards and set up Stanford's first touchdown. Daniels went two for two for 30 yards in the passing department. He played drop back quarterback on occasion, and he also came in as an actual real live running back. We saw that extended role for Daniels. We also saw an extended role for Mitch Lieber, who came in as the backup to Brendan Barrow in the backfield. I asked Shaw after the game to take us through the day for both of those guys. Both of them had their moments. You know, both of them turned the ball over. You know, Ashton had you know, three or four really impressive runs. Um, you know, nice throw to Mitch, come down there on an early drive, first drive. Um, Mitch had some really nice runs. Had some really big uh, pass pickups also. You know, some blitz pickups. For a guy three weeks ago who's playing safety, um, for him to learn the pass protection schemes and come in and, and didn't make a mistake all day uh, assignment-wise. That's impressive, you know. I was putting a lot on a young man. You know, it's, it's almost unfair to a certain degree to put that on his shoulders right now. Uh, but, you know, we didn't, we didn't get into this sport, and, and we don't live our lives looking for what's fair and what's not fair. We have to respond uh, to the situations we're presented with and be at our best. Yeah, up and downs for both, clearly. Now, I learned before the game that Barrow did not practice, actually, during the week because or didn't, didn't practice much during the week, rather, because he was dinged up. Brendan saw some snaps, but did not finish the game. David Shaw on what that means. I'm not sure if Brendan Barrow's going to make it back. Um, so we, you know, he may need to pretty much go the distance. Um, Shield did some single back stuff for us also. We had to continue to get Shield Taylor ready. And, uh, you know, Ashton's got to do kind of a dual role for us. Did a little bit of running back, some gun run quarterback stuff. So 
Um, you know, anticipate him playing some more pure running back. We just, we're just going to need him to, to do that. So that means more Ashton Daniels, I'd imagine, and that also means we might be seeing more of Mitch Lieber going forward, especially if Caleb Robinson and Brendan Barrow remain on the shelf. Those are three things. Numbers from this one, Tanner McKee, 23 of 40 for 236 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Ben Urosik, the leading receiver, again, did well in handling some contested catches as he was well covered on a few of these. Eight catches for 90 yards, uh, but also had that fumble. It was a struggle for John Humphreys. 12 targets, just four catches. In the rushing category for the Cardinals, Stanford running backs had 14 carries for 42 yards. And by Stanford running backs, I mean Lieber and Barrow. Lieber with 11 of those carries. Not counting sacks, Stanford quarterbacks, Ashton Daniels and Tanner McKee, carried the ball 11 times for 31 yards. McKee's 19-yard scramble in the second quarter was Stanford's longest of the day, and both of Stanford's touchdowns were run in by Daniels. Moody Rubin carried once for 11 yards. So in intriguing distribution of rushing attempts between the actual running backs, the guys who were actual running backs by trade, and there's only one of them on the roster, or there was until he got hurt too and couldn't finish the game against Washington State, and the quarterbacks, and even the wide receivers perhaps getting in the, into the mix too. But that distribution of rushing attempts will be something to watch for Stanford going forward with the running back room being what it is. Now, Believe it or not, there were some flashpoints for Stanford. I'm not going to quite call them bright spots, but there were some flashpoints. David Bailey, another active game. He is really becoming more and more of a force as the weeks go on. Thought he was a bit quiet to my eye throughout much of September, but the freshman over the last couple of weeks has, has really, really started to come on. Nine tackles against the Cougs, uh, two tackles for loss, and a forced fumble as well. And Ernest Cooper flashed, I thought, a bit as well. The more I see him, the more I want to see of him. That's a good thing. I'm impressed by the big number 44. John McGill, game ball to him. John McGill single-handedly kept Stanford in the game when it was 21-7. Single-handedly. McGill got in the backfield and knocked down a pass on third down to thwart one coup drive. Made a big tackle to stop the Cougs short on third down on the next drive. And then on Washington State's next possession, helped snuff out a double reverse for a 19-yard loss. And then the fumbles really started coming. And then the next thing you knew, the, the game was out of reach. But, but John McGill single-handedly. And look, no big surprise, right? I mean, that guy has been one of the unquestioned leaders of this team. He was the one that went to the defensive coaches and said, hey, look, unleash us, especially in the secondary. When Stanford seemed so tentative and passive defensively, it just reached a flashpoint after that performance against Oregon. And John McGill led the way, led the players meeting, and took it to the coaches and said, hey, as Caillou Blue Kelly told us a couple weeks ago, John McGill said, hey, I don't play defense just to go out there. I go out there to mess with the offense. McGill proving that again during a, a critical stretch in the game on Saturday. And, and as I was, you know, I was on the field, you know, at the end of the game, you know, the guys were, were walking off and McGill was just, he was just emotional and, and he was just spent after that game as 
you know, had you know, was you know, a teammate was you know had it had his had, had McGill's head you know on his shoulder, and they were just walking off the field together. And John McGill gave his all; he gave his absolute all. And even though it was still overall a rough day for for Stanford defensively, McGill single handedly kept the Cardinal in it, single handedly. So. You know, not many kudos, obviously, in a game like that, but but kudos big time to Jonathan McGill. But by and large, there were no bright spots in this game for Stanford. Some flash points, but no bright spots. I mean, how can there be, right? How can there be? Stanford lost a game that it needed to win, and it lost by 38 points. Injuries were a big, big factor. Yes, yes, they were, but that is still a disastrous outcome. And afterwards, it reduced me to asking David Shaw one of my least favorite questions in sports media. I can't stand when people ask this question, when I see sideline reporters ask this question. But I felt compelled to ask it to David Shaw after the game. You'll hear it for yourself, plus his answer. But first, this. The TreeCast continues. We're breaking down Stanford's 52-14 loss to the Washington State Cougars. Cougs have now beaten Stanford six consecutive times. They stopped the three-game losing streak, while now Stanford has lost back-to-back, and they fall to three and six on the season. Well, one of my least favorite questions in sports, it's one of my pet peeves, is when athletes and coaches get asked how they feel about things, right? I mean, the game is over. You know, they go down to the sideline reporter and the reporter, you know, asks, you know, the, you just caught the game-winning touchdown. How does it feel? What do you expect them to say? Eh, I don't know. I've, I've, I've had better things happen to me. You know, I was, you know I, was, I, was, I was happy playing Call of Duty last night. I won that, you know. and you know, What do you expect them to say? I felt good. I, 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 I normally and usually feel like asking someone how they feel in that situation is one of the most inconsequential questions in sports media. Now, that doesn't mean those folks aren't human. That doesn't mean I don't care about how they're feeling or anything like that. I just, by and large, mostly think that that's a throwaway question. That being said, given that result for Stanford, given how things have largely been going this year, and given where things could potentially be headed at this point, unless Stanford finds a way to turn it around and and beat Utah, Cal, and BYU in successive weeks. I'll admit it. After that game, I was a bit curious about how David Shaw was feeling about things. So he spent a, a, a couple of questions leading into this talking about how, you know, his message to the team was largely built on on playing on the on the student athletes' sense of pride, right? about how they needed to pull it together and play with pride for the remainder of the season. Well, given that, and leading up to that, here's the question I asked, and here is David Shaw's complete, unedited answer. Talk about pride amongst the players. I'm sure there's pride amongst the coaching staff as well. How are you and the staff handling all this and feeling about all this right now? It's an interesting question. Um, not a bad question. It's an interesting question. 
I don't know how to answer because we do what we need to do. I mean, that's, that's the job. That's the profession. You know, you're on a five-game win, win streak. Hey, there are things that you have to avoid. You have to avoid complacency. You have to avoid um, guys thinking that they've, they've arrived. Um, you go through a difficult patch. Yeah, you got to find a way to get the guys going and lean on your strengths and cover up your weaknesses, get the guys uh, active and ready to go. Um, you have injuries. You just have to prepare the next group of guys to go out there and play. Um, it's a delicate balance between being understanding, right? I can go, out, I can go in there and, and just rip all the guys that were third and fourth string that had to play today. Uh, that serves no purpose. Um, got to correct them. Got to have them learn from their mistakes. Um, Got to have them grow and be better next week than they are this week. Um, our guys, the, the aggressive made some, had some great efforts today. Um, and we got to example those and, and, and lean on those. Um, and just a ton of things that we either have to throw out or do better. And that's what we have to do. So, you know, uh, I, I don't spend time in... I don't wallow. I don't spend time in disappointment and loss. I don't spend time in exhilaration, right? Um, we win a game. I'm the same as when we lose a game. Um, it is a data point. Um, winning and losing is, is what happens, and it's all about what you do next. So that's, that's my mentality. That's the job, um, honestly, and that's how we you know, got some things turned around. Uh, when we had, our, had, a, had a losing streak there and, and everything looked bad, we came back and played really well against Oregon State. We came back and won two games in a row. Um, now we've lost two games in a row. So now we've got to retool. We've got to come back, find out the things that we're ready to do, things that we can do with the guys that are healthy, put the pressure on the guys that are our best players, and let them know that we need you to make plays. But we also have to stay within their wheelhouse to make sure that we're being reasonable with what they're asking them to do. Uh, we've got to cut down on our mistakes, cut down on our turnovers. Um, so that's the, that's the job. You know, how, how, how I feel about it is inconsequential. Um, the staff and I just need to be ready to do what, whatever it takes to, to get our team prepared to put ourselves in a, win, a position to win next week. So there it is. David Shaw on his feelings. He says they're in, inconsequential at this point and have nothing to do with the job, and that's getting the guys ready and trying to figure out how to win the next ball game, in this case at Utah on Saturday night. It's going to be a little chilly. I've been checking the local range forecast or the, or the extended uh, forecast for Salt Lake City for the last couple of days, and it's going to be cold. But it's one of the, the trademarks of this program, right? I mean, I've seen this team suffer some tough, tough losses. But there doesn't really seem to be an emotional low, not with the coaches, not with the student athletes by and large, and not with the program. You know, yeah, you had to practice the following week after a tough loss. I'll take you back to what that opener in 2015 against Northwestern, in which Stanford just got embarrassed, and everyone, of course, you know the message boards being being what they are. Even back in 2015, everyone was ready to jump ship, but being at practice, one of the practices the following week at Stanford, I didn't sense any panic at all. It was just all right, okay, that happened. Let's just move on and let's just go to work. That season turned out okay, by, by the way. But you know, I've seen it in many other instances when Stanford hasn't fielded as good at teams as they did in 2015, right? Team suffers tough losses. I've seen it this year after the Oregon State result. 
you know, being at practice the next week, leading into Notre Dame, you know, even though we cannot, uh, practices are closed to the media, you know, you still get a sense of things, being around guys, you get a sense of the mood, you get enough of a sense anyway of being around it, and I didn't sense any real panic then either, not from the student-athletes and, and not from the coaches either. So it's one of the trademarks of this program, and quite honestly, it's, it's served it well, for the most part, in good times and in bad. Keep calm and cardinal on, right? I, I've used that phrase before over the years. And look, David Shaw's right. You know, what's the use in, in, in ripping kids who are being placed in tough positions? You know, what, what's the use in, I mean, obviously you can coach them up, right? And, and, and you can correct them and try to give them points going forward. But, but just, to, just to sit there and just, and, just, and just rip the kid in front of God and country and his family and all that stuff, at the very least his teammates, what, what purpose does that serve? You know, I'd, I'd, I'd rather see that energy going to coaching the kids up instead of tearing them down. And it's not like David Shaw can retool the roster midseason anyway. Can't go out and sign guys off the street. It's not how this works. It's not how college football goes. Not yet anyway. David Shaw can't really retool the, the roster in the offseason either, but that's a, that's a different conversation overall. So... Overall, in public anyway, David Shaw seems like his usual resolute self. Now, obviously, you know, some folks want to see David Shaw, you know, come out in this postgame presser after his team loses by 38, a team that or game that it it needed to have against a team that coming into it seemed eminently beatable. You know, Cougs looked feeble on the road. Washington State scored more points against Stanford than it did in the three games previous. So that game certainly could have been winnable going in and on paper for Stanford. Probably a bit evenly matched in in a lot of ways, but still a, a, a fairly winnable game for Stanford. So given all that, some folks still want to somehow see David Shaw flip over the podium and and drop expletives and and do stuff and say stuff that'll make him go viral and and all those kind of things. Well, you know what? If you ain't figured it out by now, then I don't know when you will. That just ain't him. That's just not him. That's just not what he does. Keeps as even keel as he possibly can. And I get why. I absolutely get why. There's just so much energy that goes into trying to win a football game as a coach. There's so much energy. Not really much use in spending that energy and chewing out some four-stringer because he made a mistake. All Stanford can do right now is band together and find a way to win these final three games. Some way, somehow, finish 6-6, six and six, become bowl eligible, and try to head into a 13th game. Are there injuries? Yes. I don't know how serious the injuries to Miazon and DeMooney and the two safeties, Williamson and Fields, are at this point. We'll learn more. David Shaw has his weekly press conference on Tuesday, of course. We will be all over that, as we always are here on the TreeCast. Oh, by the way, Brendan Barrow, 
might be on the shelf for the remainder of the year. Last time we checked, Caleb Robinson was was a hopeful to return for Utah. It's probably even more hopeful now. But Stanford's so short-handed in some critical areas. Running back, linebacker now, and safety. Cardinals severely dinged up, but you know what? On the flip side of that, Stanford's opponents will not care. They will not care. They will not give one wit about any of that. Certainly not this Saturday. Utah, as as I've I've been I've been saying this for years, even before Utah joined the Pac-12, that is a tough, tough place to go into and win if you're the road team. And I still don't think people realize this. And I'm sure Utah fans will be in full throat. They won't care <laughs> about Stanford's problems. Cardinal have to figure out a way to win three in a row starting this Saturday against Utah. Tall task. Tall task. Let's see what happens. Let's see what happens. And let's see who's available for it, too. As always, I welcome your thoughts on Stanford football and Stanford athletics. Twitter's the best way to do that. Hashtag TreeCast helps me to ensure that I see what is on your mind. The follow on Twitter is at Troy Clarity. At Troy Clarity, last time it's spelled C-L-A-R-D-Y. It's free to follow people on Twitter last time I checked. That's good news. <laughs> that might be changing too. Who knows? Programming note, there will be just one TreeCast this week, we will not have a review episode after the Utah game is done because I will be elsewhere. I will be on assignment, as the San Francisco Giants broadcasters uh, like to say whenever Dave Fleming is off uh, doing something else. But I'll be on assignment this week. I'm on Compass Football Network's, uh, Compass Media Network's uh, football play-by-play duty this week. Hello, Iowa City. <laughs> I got Wisconsin, Iowa. Looking forward to being on the national radio call for that one. I'm looking at the long-range forecast for Iowa City. Ooh, Saturday, high of 38. Great. (laughs) So whether it's Salt Lake or Iowa City, looks like you're going to have to bundle up if you're going to be in either of those two respective places this upcoming weekend. So that being said, we will come at you later this week. A Thursday Thursday posting is what we're aiming for for this week's episode of the TreeCast. Uh, We will not have a review episode after that, so we'll likely come at you again um, Thursday of next week after this week's episode posts on Thursday. So that uh, slight programming note. You heard plenty of the postgame thoughts from, from David Shaw. And a big-time special thanks to you, most of all, for joining us. As always on the show, don't drink and drive. If you do, you're the dumbest person on the planet. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay sane. Talk to you later this week on the TreeCast with Troy Clarity on the Believe Network and presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.